0: Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs, this is episode 180, I'm your host Duncan McLeish, welcome to the show. On episode 180 we continue our look at our April 10 Tales of Woe series, looking at movies that have stories that are infinitely sad. Yeah, when you peel back the surface of what might be a happy ending, or what might be a scary scene, or what you might think is actually the main thrust of the movie, Something sad is happening in the background, something terrible, something that when you think on it, kinda sticks with you after the movie has finished. Up on the docket today, we are gonna be looking at Mike Flanagan's kinda debut feature film-ish. I'm sure he did other bits and balls, but this is the one that put Flanagan on the map for me. So I'm just gonna lie and say it's his debut feature. There we go. Because I can do that because I've got a podcast, and you guys will fact check me and correct me online, which makes me feel more legitimate when I have people checking what I'm doing. But yeah, his his, kind of debut outing into the world of kind of indie horror feature films, 2011's Absentia. It's a personal fave of mine, a movie that once again I covered with the buzz because I like putting them through trauma. Um, That was a couple of years ago now we did Absentia. It's a movie I've seen several times and uh, I did look forward to coming back and re-watching it today. To record this episode because it just reminded me how fucking tragic this story is just I mean ultimately tragic and we're going to get into that when we do a review but before we get to that welcome to a brand new week brand new week under the stairs we have already kicked in to full gear by dropping Monday's episode Monday's episode a little bit of a, a, a tickler on the old nipples and uh, you all enjoyed that hopefully and uh, we're swinging it into this which will be Wednesday's episode and we are pretty much not taking the foot off the pedal now right to the end of the month so today you're getting absentia tomorrow you get movie club on Friday you get a review of pulse on Saturday you get our final review of the 10 Tales of War, looking at Lake Mungo which I'm very much looking forward to closing out this season um, on Lake Mungo and then we're going to take a little look at Dead of Winter for our 88 Slasher Classic Series and then we will jump into a brand new week where we should kick off if all the stars align and Satan grants us his, his presence Uh, A special episode looking at Lords of Chaos with Liam from Scott and Liam. And then on Tuesday, we are rounding up the month that was a phenomenal month, ladies and gents. A phenomenal month that was April. So yeah, we're doing a bit of that and all the jazz and all that shit in between. So there you go. That is your lineup. A ton of content coming your way. Now, I just do want to say at this juncture, before we get fully into talking about absentia that i want to thank everyone for the time that they have spent and getting in touch recently we've had tons of comments and content coming my way the movie club episode which drops tomorrow there was a last minute push from the listeners out there so i'm looking forward to getting into that episode tomorrow and letting you guys out there know what the listeners thought of housebound I also want to flag up at this stage that I have a guest appearance coming up this Friday on a special anniversary episode of the Strong Language and Violent Scenes podcast or a Glasgow-based podcast. Uh, I was on a year ago and did Rawhead Rex for those guys and uh, they asked if I wanted to come back and be on their anniversary show celebrating one year of that podcast, so that'll drop on Friday I will of course post it in the for, uh, podcast under the stairs group page um, so you need to be over there to check it out it's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Cast. so yeah, check out that show when it drops on Friday Right, let's do this, I'm going to jump out just now you're going to hear promos for Shows That I Love you're going to hear the trailer for Absentia when we come back we're discussing that movie right after this
1: are you sick of the same old stale podcast? Well, then join Vanessa and Darren as they dissect movies of all kinds. The two lifelong cinema lovers bring their favorites, curiosities, and first-time watches to the operating table and inject them with a healthy dose of snark. Then there's the waiting room where they examine books and short stories. So just look for them on Apple Podcasts and where fine podcasts are available. They're part of the Legion Podcast Network. Follow them on Twitter at VD Clinic Pod. Join them on Facebook at Facebook.com slash groups slash VD Clinic Pod. Or email them at vdclinicpod at gmail.com. They're ready to cure what ails you. (laughs) And still, they just might be a little contagious.
0: Let's call them lucid dreams that you're having. They started about the time you decided to declare him dead in absentia. You're describing visual, auditory, even tactile
1: hallucinations. He's not the only one, not even close. They declared Walter dead in 2002. I ran into him just last week. You see me? Left behind a son, who says his dad was taken away by a monster. It's sleeping. I saw you it. You hallucinated. I saw it. Things go missing in this neighborhood, and those things turn up in one place. I was seeing things, too. It felt so real. We found a body in the
0: tunnel. Oh, my God. No. Always in this neighborhood, you lock the door.
1: I know how that sounds.
0: You see your eyes? We're going to need to question you a lot
1: more. I swear to you, I could hear him in the walls. Ah!
0: And Welcome back, so you've just heard the trailer for our feature movie review, this movie number seven. Movie number eight? Movie number eight? Movie number seven? Movie number eight? Who fucking knows? Does anyone know? Please tell me. Answers on the back of a postcard sent to Podcast Under The Stairs. I'm going to say movie number eight because there's only three movies left, so that makes sense. Movie number eight... Over 10 tales of war. we're looking at absentia written and directed by the mighty mike flanagan this is back in the day this is before this guy was getting netflix shows and directing stephen king movies for netflix and he's about to drop a little uh, movie called uh, dr sleep this year you may have heard of it as his sequel to the shining so he's he's come on just just a little bit since his days of absentia but my heart will always lie with this movie i kind of fucking love it the movie stars Catherine parker courtney bell dave levine justin gordon morgan peter brown james flanagan doug jones scott graham connie Ventress, ian gregory mark domoski elizabeth aldwin erin um, chipolati chipolata <laughs> that's not right that's wrong let's not do any more of them just in case <laughs> completely offend folk Um, the synopsis for this one is a woman and her sister begin to link a mysterious tunnel to a series of disappearances including that of our own husband to dig into Absentia is to dig into a movie which I think is woefully underseen but incredibly impressive for a debut outing I mean once again I'm saying debut outing I'm sure he's done stuff before this but this to me is the movie that puts Flanagan on the map and it's no surprise to me that after this movie he goes on to do shitloads of amazing stuff what I always loved about him, and always will love about him as a filmmaker, even moving forward, is his ability to put a spin on a genre we're familiar with. The ability to take things, um, for example, if you watch a movie like Hush, which is ostensibly, you know, a, a home invasion siege slasher movie, but put a twist on our central character being both uh, deaf and dumb. And what would that be like for someone who, you know, gets off on hearing screams to be able to terrorise someone who can't give him the reaction he wants? Um, Or a movie like Oculus which is, is really clever, for all it gets maligned, it's a very very clever movie that plays with time, obsession and the idea of, you know, of haunted objects. Or if you move even beyond that to Gerald's game as well, a movie which is very in keeping with the tone of the book, but at the same time he brings his own elegant art to it. Flanagan's a guy who's a bit of a workhorse. He's a bit of a you know a guy who is, in my opinion, one of the more interesting voices in the horror genre. I think he is you know only going on to better things. I, you know, if you are checking things out, you will know that he did the haunting, haunting of Hell House TV show, which got universal acclaim and that was his idea of taking the kind of gothic ideas of a uh, kind of haunted house movies and, and literature and bringing that to the big screen and a lot of people were like it's a big step for flanagan going to the gothic world of horror is it because he kind of set out his stall in absentia It might not have the gothic period setting or even by any stretch of the imagination the gothic buildings architecture but this movie is a lot of what we understand as being, you know, kind of a gothic fairy tale of loss and grief. It covers a lot of those kind of tentpole positions. Of, of what we expect from movies of, of yesteryear. The idea of someone grieving the loss. You imagine Vincent Price grieving the loss of his beloved Eleanor or something along those lines, you know, and then having to confront their own ideas of mortality through the loss of someone else's or potential loss of someone else's. It, it kind of deals with that, but I'll tell you what it also deals with kind of throws in some Lovecraft like this will whiplash you with, with Lovecraft out of nowhere um, and it does it all using shadows very very carefully but in a suburban setting bringing like the terror to the suburbs um, very much kind of lynching in that way as well what you have here is a, a pregnant woman who is you know she's, she's kind of obsessed with keeping fit um, and this is because she's pregnant, we find out that our husband, Daniel, vanished seven years ago. He never left a note. There was no you know sign of abduction. They kind of were on great terms and after seven years of kind of posting the flyers and walking the streets and asking questions, she's about to declare him dead in absentia you know sign that form which basically says to the police listen we have nobody but you can stop the search we are going to all accept here that something bad has happened and what is likely to be the solution of that one is that he is dead somewhere. Um, This kind of weighs heavy on her. Um, she is joined by her sister who's a recovering drug addict but she's kind of there to help her pregnant sister through, uh, get through some of the demons that she has while also in the same position, try to get through and recover from the demons that she has and what Flanagan gives us is this idea of, you know, uh, can she move on? Can she get past the, the thought of what is ultimately the burial of her husband without the body? and Trisha, that's the the pregnant woman, starts to have very vivid images, these kind of almost daydreams of, you know, of of Daniel being in certain rooms um, and not quite being able to ask him the questions that they want, but they kind of come together, um, uh, Trisha and her sister, to maybe try and get to the bottom of what actually happened to Daniel. And in the background of this movie. What we are getting is. You know more than just your one or two flyers for missing people. There, there you know, There's a lot of them. And animals are going missing as well. And objects are going missing. So there's this idea of there's something out there. Trisha. Um at the same time, you know, lives very close to this kind of tunnel, this underpass, as we would call them in the UK. Uh, Probably called the same in America, but you'll have a longer, more protracted, descriptive name of what it actually is. Uh, But, you know, this underpass, which seems to be a weird connective gateway, which we're going to get into um, in a couple of minutes, and that's when Lovecraft comes in. But what you're going to get in this movie is uh, a dialogue which is carefully pivoted towards the idea of loss um, and the effects that it has. Um, Does Trisha wish that she could carry on with her life by knowing that Daniel's dead? Does that give her the closure she needs? Or can she never really reconcile a life beyond what she has reluctantly? stamping in absentia on a form because she doesn't know what happens you couple that into this idea of not really having like the human contact in this movie out with Her kind of flirtative stance towards a police officer or or position with a sister is that of disconnection. It's it's one of alienation. It's one of kind of looking at the world we live in and people go missing all the time. You know, I once watched a TV show that talked about how many people go missing in America every day and it terrified the ever-loving fuck out of me. You know, it's like percentages of a population of Scotland go missing in America every day. And that's a terrifying thought but it's something you just kind of live with and Daniel has someone that cares and wants to find out where he went but we don't all live in those worlds where you know everyone has someone to look after them or look out for them. Um, also this idea of like geography itself where as a society more methods of communication exist than ever before and we are closer to each other when people talk about how small the world is getting they mean not that the small you know the earth is shrinking but it means that the avenues of of communication of keeping in touch are easier than ever now you don't have to slap a fucking stamp on an email you just hit send and the person gets it in real time and they don't have to be at a computer to read it now chances are they have a device on them that lets them get that right away we can send pictures to each other in real time we can fucking facetime we have video call technology, which is, you know, beyond what we thought we would have. So all these things are readily available to us now. But what's kind of terrible is the the absence of a personal touch. The absence of having someone with us, um, which I think this movie covers really, really well. It's one of the more haunting aspects about it, is this idea of how disconnected we are for uh, for human contact in the world that we live in, you know, some people can go days without actual proper, full, on face to face interaction with another human being. Um, and even though she's living in the suburbs, this idea of disconnect, this idea of people going missing and flyers becoming tattered over time because people start to give up is, you know, at the very core of the movie as well. And I think that's, I think that's hugely interesting and, and ultimately kind of sad and haunting. Um, Absentia leans into that like hard. A lot of movies don't. A lot of movies like the idea of kinda touching on themes but trying to tie things up in a nice positive way. And Absentia doesn't have a happy ending and not like that. It kinda relishes on the further you get into it, the more the grief um, becomes its terror. Because uh, as I mean, I think this movie has a couple of genuinely creepy moments in it. But what ultimately is the bit that, to me, uh, gives it a strong label of a horror movie, is the fact that it makes you deal with the terror of grief and how we deal with it as humans, and how some people are un, you know, incapable of handling grief. You know, they just can't can't they carry it like a large wooden cross on their back. Sorry to use that analogy, but, but they do. They carry it with this like this massive, you know, imposing bearing load on their back, which they, they you know, can never shake and will, you know, will change the way they look at life. Um, I think the movie's great at that. I think the movie's great at this idea of, you know, the the world in which Daniel's disappearance lives and how it has affected people and how, you know, Trisha and their sister start like through their investigation start getting what you could perceive as being guilt these pangs of guilt which make their way or manifest through the nightmares a uh, or eerie sort of encounters they have or even the hallucinations to an extent you can lean back on that and say well that's guilt that causes that there's there's almost this idea of Kind of Catholic guilt in here as well. This idea of well, this is how people who are, are guilty about giving up are going to feel. They're going to have these kind of psychological breaks where they're going to see things that aren't there. What Flanagan does is though he starts to 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 use that to his advantage, very much like a movie like Don't Look Now deals with this kind of idea of loss and guilt and how it imposes on your brain and your psyche as the visions I mean Don't Look Now would have been a great addition to this list because that's a movie which weirdly occupies the same sort of space and time as a movie like Absentia um, it just kind of pivots things away from finding the body to not finding the body um, what you have is just a, 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 cr- a well crafted story that drags you in which I think is really difficult to do but uh, but it's where indie horror shines in my opinion indie horror can really afford to be dangerous it can afford to push the boundaries it can afford to have narratives that don't match up it can afford to be um, ambiguous to an extent because there is no Hollywood tick box machine behind there saying well the movie needs to appeal to this audience it needs to have a ghost at this scene it needs to do this bit here and do this bit here this movie doesn't have that this movie is comfortable in its own skin to build a mythology which you will learn as it goes along, and the more you learn about it, the more you're drawn into it. It's like a good campfire story when you're sitting and someone starts to weave the story about a creepy disappearance in a neighbourhood. If the story is a guy goes missing, um, we don't know what happens to him, seven years later he might return, ooh, scariness. That's not a scary story. You know, around the campfire, that doesn't do anything. But you start putting some flesh on those bones, you start teasing that story out you start building the mysteries and intrigues of of missing animals and posters on lap posts are aged and decayed of of a central premise of the fairy tale in this movie which is the three billy goats gruff um, and this one as well the idea of the tunnel the idea of the troll and um, all this is in here as well and you start layering up a bit of this mythology that you start to get interested. You want to solve the mystery with the main characters. You want to dig out the microfiche. You want to check back to see if there's a pattern of missing people over a prolonged period of time. And plays with all that, and whilst it's doing that, while it's tickling you with some really interesting, teasing you with those interesting facts, what it does is it then starts giving you proper kind of cliche horror movie bits you know it starts really kind of almost slapping you in the face with real elements of horror and I think that once again is where the movie shines because not only do you get you know the idea of you know, a mystery we're trying to solve a mythology we're trying to work out a pattern that seems to appear these portals that might exist somewhere where people go missing that are taken to other places the appearance of Doug Jones who is brilliant in this movie it's a 2011 Doug Jones appearance he looks emaciated as ever he puts on this really haunted wounded tormented um, kind of presence on screen that he does more and conveying the terrors that he has suffered um, than a large budget CGI or or practical effects will ever do because the the wounded look on his face the haunted terrified look in his face spurs our imagination to try and work out what the fuck is going on what is the mystery here. And Mike Flanagan doesn't give you an answer, ever. And he never will give you an answer. What 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 he's trying to do here is set up this idea. It's the Lovecraft idea of what exists um, in the shadows. What, what I mean, we are led to believe they are spider-like creatures that take you from the real world into, you know, some alternate dimension to feed off your fear, maybe. But isn't that really what what all folklore and all fairy tale is it's grounded somewhere in reality i mean this movie could easily be about a serial killer who kidnaps people and then tortures them over a long period of time this could easily be something like the vanishing you know the idea of would you want to know what happened to someone if you had to live through what happened to someone you know what i mean? It plays with those ideas as well. I never actually thought of that comparison to The Vanishing until right now. But now that I think about it, it's kind of apt. Would you want to? Would you want to? Do you really want to know? Do you want to pick at that scab? All these monsters are grounded somewhere. All the stories we tell each other are grounded in the imagination, which starts somewhere. But Absentia kind of ultimately deals with this idea of of trying to get too close to something trying to get too close to a mystery you can't solve and like I said earlier on this movie doesn't really have a happy ending because whilst Trisha is haunted by the the, the kind of visions and appearances and disappearances of Daniel after the the tick and absentia and um, the movie is ultimately going to pay back what happens to those that are too nosy that idea of the be careful what you wish for or curiosity, kill the cat. That's kind of what this movie does towards the end because if we are looking at the three billy goat kind of analogy here, the kind of fairy tale scenario, we imagine them, then you have the sister, you have Trisha and you have Daniel and ultimately that's how the movie ends. No one is spared and all three become missing people all three of them are taken for their curiosity to someplace terrible someplace you know unthinkable you don't heed the warning you you continue to to to, to press your face against the mystery um, and as a byproduct of that you're you're gone forever um, and it's a it's a deeply Maybe it's maybe less on the surface sad than some of the other movies we've discussed, but to me, Absentia is a great example of a movie where, where sadness and grief is just... It's just the tone. You know, it's not something that builds into the movie, it's just the tone of the movie. It's almost the, the kind of... the background noise that just exists for every character in this movie. Ultimately, the police officer who is kind of befriended and might be a future love interest of Trisha is left in a position where he doesn't know what happens and is he going to continue to look is he going to start you delving into the mystery and if that's the case no good's going to come from that or is he just going to accept the cold hard facts of being a police officer that some people just go missing and that's just part and parcel of life maybe maybe Callie the sister maybe she just resorted back to drugs and that's where she's gone and maybe Trisha just decided she couldn't take it anymore and moved on. Um, you know, all these ideas are, are kinda kinda juggled around. And this idea of what locks in the shadows, these spider like creatures from some other horrible dimension that live off the fear that, you know, that um gain sustenance from terror that in itself is is a horribly haunting thing. To think about, to live your life in terror and pain and misery, to feed someone that is nourished off that and it's just that, it's just such a, it's just that infinitely sad movie. It's a, it's about a character whose inability, it's the white whale, it's Moby Dick, it's someone who's, whose obsession with something leads to their undoing it leads them to the place. it's like The Vanishing Man this movie is so like The Vanishing or Don't Look Now Don't Look Now I think is uh, there's a triple bill there's a triple header I'm loving this recent like series of recommendations Duncan's triple bill is Absentia and then into uh, Don't Look Now and then finish with The Vanishing there you go ladies and gents that is three movies that are just terribly fucking sad (laughs) Three movies that portray grief in really interesting ways, and three movies that have cold fucking endings, man. And when I say the vanishing, I mean the original Swiss one. Don't don't do that American remake. American remake is fine, but it it loses the terror. Does have some of the bullock though? You know what I'm saying? I'm saying. No, I mean we're talking about some bullock. Um, But yeah. I mean, Mike Flanagan to me is a fucking great filmmaker and there's a reason I am well and truly front row seats on the Flanagan train I love the guy, I think he's great but it amuses me that people like were watching The Haunt in the Hill House and, and kind of seen this as some sort of gothic revelation um, that Flanagan had turned his eyes to and the template is all there it's all here, it's all in Oculus as well he charts it throughout most of his career um, but really really goes for it in this one. It's a weird little movie to categorise. It's a strange little experience to watch and when it finishes you kind of feel sad. And that's kind of what the Ten Tales of Woe is here to do. It's, it's to to put forward those stories. You know other movies finish with those I've spoken about them before, kind of happy-ish twists. And then you're, you're kind of like, well maybe that was a happy movie until you remember what happens in the orphanage. This movie doesn't do that. This movie begins and ends in grief and loss and the journey you take in the middle is really just an exercise in, in in desperately trying to wish the characters will be able to move on and not be ultimately drawn into the darkness of grief which manifests in this movie as some sort of Lovecraftian creature. So there we go ladies and gents nice and happy one isn't it we're finishing strong we are finishing strong this week um that's my thoughts on absentia i waffled a lot in this one i think i don't know how much cohesive quality you're actually going to get out of it but it's a movie that really makes me think and every time i sit down to watch it i find my brain wandering to those those elements that i think are just a bit more interesting that other movies just don't fucking do and Mike Flanagan does it here and it's kind of fucking cool and it's worth sitting down and it's worth talking about, so how about that, Uh, Absentia gets a five from me, a fucking hard five, if I could give it a six I'd give it a six, I think it's top tier Flanagan, I think some people would disagree with me but it's my show so lick my nuts, Um, but yeah there we go, Uh, we only have two of these left and they're both happening this week Um, The next one will drop on Friday and it's looking at a little J-horror movie called Pulse um, which I'm really looking forward to getting into and like I said on Monday's episode um, of the podcast under the stairs the most recent Scott and Liam episode dealt with Pulse go and check it out it's fucking great Uh, albeit one of the reviewers is very wrong the other one is pretty much on the right track Um, so yeah go and check out their episode on Pulse and then listen to ours dropping on Friday and then on Saturday we close out the whole series that we've been doing this month, The Ten Tales of War, with ultimately what I think is one of the saddest movies ever. Uh in Late Mungo. A movie which the more times I watch it and the, sorry, the more times I watch it, the more times I revisit it and the more I think about it, the more I think it is just a fucking amazing movie. So yeah, that's what we will be closing this shit out on. So there you go. I'm going to take my final break, ladies and gents, when I come back. I'm closing the show and I'm doing it right after this. You're listening to the podcast under the stairs. And you've been listening to the podcast under the stairs. This has been episode 180, looking at absentia as part of our 10 Tales of Woe series, only two movies left to cover. Hopefully you enjoyed that, I, I went back and I listened to some of it and it just sounds like my brain is is, is just kind of trying to connect some dots that aren't there. Um, but let me know what you think of Absentia, I love it, I think it's an amazing little movie. Um, but I, I want to hear what you guys think, let me know in the Facebook group page, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash what do you make of Absentia? By Mike again from 2011. There's a multitude of ways to check out podcasts under the stairs. As always, I say come across and check us out on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to the feed and leave us a rating and a review. It's the best way to support this show on that platform. You can also check us out at Stitcher Smart Radio, SoundCloud, Google Play, TuneIn and Spotify while you're at it. You can go to our website, it's com. If you want to buy a poster or some enamel pins, show your support and give us some money to keep the lights a running, you can do that by going to our Big Cartel page. It's com. If you want to check out some older designs though and buy them on a weird variety of merch, you can do that in Redbubble. Go to redbubble.com and type in teapots cast in the search bar and see what you can get of older teapots designs on a weird myriad of different merch products. We get a small cut of that, but it's worth it. Um, you can go to Facebook we're there in two different places we have a group page facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash cast. that's where you interact with other listeners and just enjoy the horror bands. if you want to only know when the shows are dropping occasionally check out a live stream or a Thursday Thursday then you need to go to the Facebook page that's facebook.com forward slash cast. you can interact with myself and the Baz on the twin prongs of social media sexness Instagram and Twitter both can be followed at teaputs cast the podcast under the stairs will return ladies and gents tomorrow it's movie club time challenge Teapots, april 2019 i pose to you a little movie called housebound and it's time to hear what the listeners made of that movie so that drops tomorrow but until then wherever you are what are the time zone is and what you're up to in this big bad world of ours please take care of yourselves out there this is duncan mcleish broadcasting live from under the stairs and i am signing off